Hey there, Giggle Water Gang. It's Kina. Before we get to Curses Part 2, I just wanted to let you guys know that tomorrow, April 13th, is our anniversary. One year, guys, since we dropped episode zero. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. So to celebrate, we're going to be having a Patreon-only party. It's going to be online, obviously, because social distancing, what, what. And it's going to be me. It's going to be Natalie. And it's going to be Ashley. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to chat. We're going to have you guys up so we can FaceTime you guys. We're going to all be drinking, listen to music, just having a really great time. All you have to do is join Patreon. You can join for as little as $2. And you get so much extra content. You get extra episodes. You get extra videos. You get book chats. You get stickers and letters and just so much stuff. So definitely, if you're on the fence about joining Patreon, do it now so we can meet you. We really want to meet you guys. So that will be tomorrow, Monday, April 13th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Patreon.com slash historical AF pod. We will see you then. Now enjoy Curses Part 2. Okay, bye. Hello, pod people. Welcome, welcome. This is Historical AF. My name is Natalie. And I'm Kina. We are a historian and a librarian delivering you the weird, funny, spooky, and morbid historical nugs you never knew you needed in your ear holes. <laughs> and those nugs are curses, bringing you more and more curses. This is episode 52. And we curse you. You cursed. You cursed. You cursed. Actually, we have discovered that we are not cursed because we're not rich enough to afford a lot of these cursed items that people get accidentally cursed. Like, and we don't like dolls, so we stay the fuck away from them. So and diamonds and fucking dolls. Hate yeah. Them. We're we're good. <laughs> we'll stay away from everything that's cursed. And it's a legit fear. Like I really hate dolls. Mm. Me too. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> so bad. I mean, honestly, the cart thing, I was like, oh, this isn't great. This is building a race car. And I'm like, where are you getting your parts? Are they cursed objects? I know. I want to do online shopping, but then I'm also paranoid about who's handling the shopping stuff. Uh, like, do I buy more art supplies or? Mm-hmm. Just- well, same, same. same. You never know. You never know. You know, on Amazon, I think, I think it's Amazon. No, it's eBay. You can buy a haunted cursed object or something. Which I'm sure is fake, but what if it's not? <laughs> it's, it's like 50 bucks for a, a mystery cursed box. I'm like, why? No, why, why are you doing that? I don't Just in case. Remember, just in case. Wash your hands just in case. Don't buy a cursed box just in case. It wasn't going to hurt. I know. I see like YouTube things like, I bought a cursed object off of eBay. Watch me unbox it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> You don't know how like, far I've seen the ring. I have not to watch it like that. Oh god, the ring really creeped me out. I think it's because like Japanese horror is so fucking scary, and that was like the uh-huh. first like crossover. Oh, yeah. My dad, my dad Grudge. loved that movie, but like when he was in the hospital, they had him doped up and stuff, and some nurse had really long hair and she was bending over and it was like over her face, and he woke up and thought it was the ring lady and started screaming like, "Get away from me!" <laughs> Uh, good times. My cousin, when he watched that, he was a teen, and I guess he had told some friends at school that's what he was doing that night to watch it. But like, not long after the part where you see what they watched, his friends called him and went seven days. 
So then they no. Freaked the fuck out. He was so he was so terrifying. That's so mean, but funny. It is. He, I mean, he found it funny once he like because I think they called him up like an hour later and told him that it was like just kidding, but it's priceless. It was good. I need to rewatch that too. That was like a legitimately scary movie. I haven't seen. Didn't they have a remake or like a redo part two or something? Was that yeah, there's like sequels or some shit. I don't remember. I don't think I've watched those. I'm so behind in all the uh, all the movies, which is this perfect time to watch things. <laughs> I guess. Oh, uh, got caught on black sales. So that's historical, right? Pirates. So if we oh, do a pirate cool. episode, then I'm, I'm, all, but it had like, I'm all for a pirate episode. Oh, we should do one. I think Jeff is the one that recommended. I'll put it on the next poll. Okay. Yeah. That's I'm really, amazing. it's, I think it stopped like a few like a year or so ago, but we just now got caught on, but it has like Blackbeard and Long John Silver and it's like real places. <clears throat> so yeah, definitely pirate episode. I'm inspired by my black sales binge. I have like an episode left. So after we get done, <laughs> ready to get started? Yes. yes do you ma'am. want spooky or funny? Uh, let's do spooky. Let's do okay. funny. All right. Let's do this. Because speaking of movies, I did cursed movies. Oh, that's awesome. Perfect segue. Perfect. All right. So the first one, we're going to ease into it. Some of the was bad and then end on like the holy shits. Right. So the first one is Passion of the Christ. It was already under a lot of scrutiny when it was released, but it appears one of the biggest critics might have been God himself or herself. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Without getting into like Mel Gibson's bizarre past and his anti-Semitism, which is really odd to me since he did a Jesus movie and Jesus was a Jew, but I digress. The film had multiple on-site accidents that make you think the big guy up there wasn't too pleased. So Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus, was struck by lightning during filming. And he also dislocated his shoulder while carrying the crucifix. And then the scene where they were doing the cat of nine tails, it actually ripped the flesh off his back. Oh. Yes. This sounds so painful. I, this is how you ease into it. Like, look at Jesus. Ah, so Jesus. Struck by lightning. <laughs> and then the assistant director, Jan Michelini, was also struck by lightning two separate times during the course of filming. <laughs> this is like statistically not possible. Well, they were doing the the crucifixion scene on the mount, so I guess like logically, maybe Lightning being on. on a giant wood cross on a hill with nothing else might be it. But I mean, also could just be like you pissed off God. I mean, that was three lightning strikes both during a movie about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I accept both possibilities. Yeah, wild times. Uh, the next one, Wizard of Oz. The staple of American culture came at the cost of quite a few lives. <laughs> <laughs> there were several accidents while filming, including Margaret Hamilton getting badly burned while f- filming a stunt, and then several of the flying monkeys fell from their harnesses. It's hmm. so sad. Just imagine them just flopping out of the air. Probably was not a lot of safety precautions, I'm sure. For no. Me. Oh, have you seen, if you watch uh, any of the videos 
but it's like, come with me and you'll see a world of OSHA violations. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's what that makes me think of. Hey, <laughs> here's the star of the show, Judy Garland, who played Dorothy, had a troubled life after the film's release. She struggled with addiction and eventually died of an overdose at 47. Frank Morgan, who played the wizard, got into a serious car accident that claimed the life of his chauffeur and left his wife permanently crippled in her right leg. Lastly, both Uncle Henry and Auntie M died before the film even debuted. That's really sad. <laughs> this is an excellent start. <laughs> Uh, yeah there's a lot of like cool things about that movie there's like the the legend of like what happened to the yellow brick road is it somewhere Mm -hmm. hidden and i think there's some sort of like curse with the ruby slippers too but i didn't get that i want to say yes but i think there's one pair that's still missing there was like three ones at the smithsonian one somewhere else, one's missing. People stole a bunch of shit. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. The next, The Crow. The Crow is a martial arts film starring Brandon Lee, who was the son of Bruce Lee. One of the last oh, scenes yeah. we shot for the film involved Brandon being shot with a rubber bullet. There was a metal shard lodged in the chamber, and when the bullet hit Brandon in the abdomen, it killed him. He was only 28. It could mm-hmm. be considered a freak. I know, it's so sad. This, one, this one makes me really sad. I know this could be considered a freak accident, but when coupled with Bruce Lee's death at 32, the superstition surrounding the family, Brandon's death takes on a spooky form. His father, Bruce supposedly had multiple premonitions about his death, including one that told him that he would only live half the time of his father, 64. And Brandon himself believed that there was a curse on the family. So that's why it's a curse. Just more and more people start dying as we go. Rosemary's baby. Sorry. The film Rosemary's Baby brought with it a disturbing amount of horror to those who worked behind the camera. The film's composer, Christophe Cometa, was roughhousing at a party when he fell off the rocky roof and into a four-month coma. The very same affliction that the writer of Rosemary's Baby, the book, uh, used to kill Rosemary's suspicious friend in the book. So it's like a weird coincidence. And then he never regained consciousness and then died in Poland the following year. In 1969, producer William Castle, sick with worry from the hate mail he was receiving constantly, because, you know, like demons and shit, was suddenly stricken with severe kidney stones and kidney disease. While delirious in the hospital, he hallucinated scenes from the film and was said to have yelled, Rosemary, for God's sakes, drop the knife. Castle recovered, but he uh, never made it in Hollywood again. But, like, the weird part is that Roman Polanski, who was the director... His wife, Sharon Tate, was stabbed to death by the Manson family. So people were like, oh, maybe he was seeing Sharon. And he was yelling like a premonition. But I think that's a stretch. But still. Yeah. So, yeah. Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, was murdered by the Manson family. She was eight months pregnant with her first child. And then this one's also a stretch. John Lennon was murdered outside the building where the movie was filmed. That's just a stretch. Yeah. And then just like some unfortunate things, Mia Farrow was served divorce papers from Frank Sinatra while filming, which is just a dick move in front of everybody at your <laughs> job. Mm-hmm. And then Roman Polanski is just a giant dick and he fled the country after assaulting underage girls and drugging them. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. Drugged them and raped them. And he fled, I think, to France. And he made news recently because he won some international award for directing or something. And then as he went up to accept it, a bunch of people walked out and started screaming like rapist and stuff. So I was like, good on them. <laughs> he he uh, can't come back to the U.S. or he'll be indicted. Mm-hmm. All right. The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Right, from Manson Killings to The Exorcist. It's based off a real-life event. William Peter Blatty, 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 but that sounds wrong, wrote in his 1971 novel of the same name based on a real-life exorcism of a boy known through the pseudonym Roland Doe. Catholic priest at Georgetown University Hospital performed a real-life exorcism that had to stop when the boy managed to get free from his restraints, pull a bedspring out of his mattress, slash one of the priest's arms, and then Blatty wrote in the novel that Roland's family requested the character be changed to a girl in the movie to protect the boy's identity. Roland went on to live a normal life, no memory of the incident. And then he retired decades later from NASA. I did not know that. During filming, actress Ellen Burstein, who played Reagan's mother, was actually injured when the possessed Reagan throws her to the ground. The take was actually used in the film, so the blood-curdling scream she lets out is completely genuine. And the injury still bothers her to this day. Chances are good that any film that takes over a year to complete will be associated with some bad incidences, but The Exorcist has a few deaths. Actors Jack McGoran and Vasiliki Maliaros. (sighs) Why are names so hard? (laughs) (laughs) They both died when the film was in post-production. What makes their death strange is that their characters died in the film as well. Okay. Other deaths that occurred during the film of The Exorcist include Linda Blair's grandfather and Max Van Sido's brother, who died on Max's first day of shooting. Also, while filming, the son of Jason Miller, who played the father, Damien Karras, was nearly killed in a motorcycle that hit him. The McNeil home that they were filming in was burned to the ground in a fire. And then director William Friedkin blamed the incident on a winged creature, which happened to be a pigeon. It had found its way into a circuit box, which caused the fire. However, the fact that Reagan's room was unharmed by the fire is still pretty creepy. So, again, everything burnt down, but, like, the one room. And while filming one of the possession scenes, Linda was thrown out the bed, but a piece of the rigging broke, causing her to injure her back. Additionally, after the film's release, Linda received so many death threats that the studio had to hire bodyguards to escort her for six months. What? (laughs) That part's not a curse. Such a shitty people. I know. <laughs> I am. In 1987, actress Mercedes McCambridge, who played the demonic voice of the P demon word, I'm not going to say because I'm not going to invoke a demon, was the victim mm-hmm. of a horrific tragedy when the, her son murdered his wife and children before taking his own life. <laughs> no. Many believe that the actual film was cursed and that playing it through the projector was an invitation for demonic possession. Televangelist Billy Graham, I'm sure you've heard of him, stated, quote, there is a power of evil in the film and the fabric of the film itself. When it was first released, the film was banned in every Middle Eastern country but Lebanon. The re-release was banned in Lebanon, though. Lebanon. During the Roman premiere, audiences had to fight their way through torrential downpours accompanied by thunder and lightning in order to get into the theater. 
Many inside claimed to hear a horrific, almost demonic cry coming from outside once the film started rolling. At one showing, a woman was so frightened she passed out in the theater and broke her jaw when she fell. She later sued the filmmaker, suggesting subliminal messages caused the accident. And then Warner Brothers settled for an undisclosed amount. <laughs> There's no way to say that three times. <laughs> uh, and one of the strangest incidents is that at the Italian premiere at the Metropolitan Theater in Rome, a lightning strike hit a church nearby and destroyed a 400-year-old cross. And it fell to the ground in the center of the piazza in front of the theater. So, you know, demon shit. <laughs> the omen. <laughs> Just keep it going. I feel it's getting worse. <laughs> the omen may take the cake as the most cursed films in recent memory due to all of its bizarre events and tragedies that took place while filming. Actor Gregory Peck and producer Mace Newfeld were on separate planes that were both struck by lightning. I mean, what are the, what is with all the lightning strikes? <sighs> to make matters worse, Peck's son committed suicide just before filming began. Newfeld was also in a hotel that was bombed by the IRA, who later also bombed a restaurant where the cast of The Omen was eating. Also, what are the chances that you're in the two places that you're bombed? Just bonkers. <laughs> a, a plane that was filming a scene from the air crashed, killing everybody on board, and a tiger handler died accidentally. So if you're watching Tiger King, another one of those tigers eating people things. I have no words. <laughs> it, it really is crazy that so much lightning stuff. That one. I know. Just stay with me. Like I would, I need to like make sure I wear like lots of rubber, I guess, when I go to movie sites. <laughs> Be <But> grounded. <laughs> okay, this is probably the spookiest part. So the spookiest death happened to designer John Richardson, who suffered a head-on collision that took his life and a, his assistant. But the road sign near the crash said Omen 66.6 kilometers. Tell me how that's a coincidence. I just, I will, I will just mic drop that one because I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> and then the last one. Poltergeist. Of course. Yeah. Nice. Poltergeist is one of the most beloved horror movies in American history. It's also <laughs> rumored to be the most cursed. Many of its stars and cast members have met with unfortunate accidents after filming and some have died. While it's not even the first movie in history to be followed by such rumors, Poltergeist curse carries more weight because of its unique origins. Horror movies are often connected with frightening circumstances, but the Poltergeist movie curse actually ties into its story. The film follows the Freeling family who are assaulted by a collection of nasty spirits disturbed by their home because it was built on an old cemetery. But that's not the only place that the dead were being desecrated, according to people who worked on the film, because all the skeletons used in the movie were actual human remains. <laughs> you learn nothing? You see the plot of the movie and you're like, let's use real people. This will be fine. Write the book. Which I saw, like, it's cheaper, I guess, back then to get real skeletons than have skeletons made. So they'd get cadavers of people that were unknown, like Jane Doe's and stuff. But still. I know. That, also, why is that cheaper? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I was like, why is that cheaper? I, I don't think they dug them up. I think they were just at, like, skeletons used for, like, science and stuff. that were still... But, so. I mean, it's 
I don't know. That was a lot of skeletons in that scene. Like the one where she's in the water and they're all coming up. Those were all real people. No. And they didn't tell her that they were real while she was filming. You would not have, you would not tell me. Like, <laughs> like that's the only way you can get me to do it. Just don't tell me. Like, sometimes that's the only way I'll try something to eat. Just don't tell me what you made. Put it in. Yes, Frankie. <laughs> Screw donating my body to science. I'm donating my body to Hollywood. Exactly. And I read somewhere that one of the skeletons in Pirates of the Caribbean was real for a long time. For the same reason that it was just cheaper to have a real person. I don't, I don't know about it. I would at least want to know. So anyway, base, because the story is explicitly about problems that arise from disrespecting the dead, it's pretty compelling argument that poltergeists would be cursed because they disrespect the dead. With celebrity <laughs> deaths, strange accidents, and even exorcisms taking place over the film's 30-year history, poltergeist curse is easily one of the most interesting rumors of Hollywood. So here's the evidence. Dominique Dunn, who played Dana, the older sister of the Freeling family, was the first to die. She broke up with her abusive boyfriend. He later returned to her house to pressure into her into getting back together with him. And she refused and they had an argument. And then as it escalated, he actually choked her until she passed out and she fell into a coma. And then she eventually died. And even worse, he only served four years for that. That's just... It's just like one blow after another. Oh, I know. And then this, and then this happened. And then this is really sad. Heather O'Rourke, who played Carol Ann, the little girl. Yeah. Sucked up in the in the spirit world. They're here. That one. Uh, da, da, da. She was diagnosed with Crohn's disease early in her life, but that turned out to be a misdiagnosis. Actually, she had a bowel obstruction that caused septic shock. Unfortunately, the symptoms of shock were incorrectly attributed to the flu and not immediately treated. So she died at just 12 years old. As the obstruction released toxins into her bloodstream. That's just so sad. I know. And what's even worse, I know, like, at the making of the, I guess it was the last movie she was in. Like, you can see her being puffier. Mm-hmm. And so you can even see it kind of happening. And then not long after, just dying. Like, oh, it's so sad. Yeah. And it must be so hard for a family. Because, I mean, Crohn's, that's a lot of the same symptoms. So they probably would have never even known for somebody that young to have a bowel obstruction. Uh-huh. That's just so sad. Richard Lawson, who played Ryan in the original Poltergeist film, is believed to be another victim of the curse. Lawson is still alive in a well, but in 1992, he boarded flight 405 to Cleveland. Many of the passengers on board reported feeling uneasy before the flight. He was bumped to first class because he was famous, and then the plane crashed into the bay after a failed takeoff with its passengers trapped in their seats 27 of the people died, including the person who took his original seat. If he hadn't been bumped, he would have been dead, too. That's some, like, Final Destination shit right there. I think of that every time. Anything <laughs> like Final Destination. Yes. Lou, per- or, not Perlman. Lou Perryman didn't play a lead role in Poltergeist, but he's also considered to be a victim of the curse nonetheless. Perryman played Pugsley, a construction worker in the first film. It was known for his roles in many other horror films. In 2009, Seth Christopher Tatum, who was on the run from police, entered his home and attacked him with an axe. Tatum, who later turned himself in, said he attacked the man just because he needed his car and some stuff from his house. Just a complete <laughs> random, just picked a house, and it just happened to be his. 
I think I've read somewhere else that he escaped from like um like a mental hospital. Like he was already there and then the cops were coming after him. It's just really sad. All, uh, Oliver Robbins, who played the middle child, Robbie, was reportedly attacked on se- set by the mechanical clown. In this scene where he's supposed to be struggling with the creepy clown, it malfunctioned was actually choking him. So oh, my thing- God. That's yeah. my worst fear. Is I know. I fucking hate clowns. Oh, that scene. And they clowns. use that scene in, like, every other movie that's making fun of poltergeists and like the clowns actually killing him, but like it really was trying to kill him. <sighs> I just can't with this. This one. <sighs> it says that cast members thought his reaction was like really good acting, and then it just turned out that he was turning blue because he was actually being choked. And then finally, when people are like, "Oh, oh, that's not good," <laughs> like they finally <laughs> intervened. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, that kid was young too. I can't even. I just can't. But I know, like, how, how's turning blue like good acting? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I, I wonder if that's the take they used. <laughs> oh, most likely. It's just like in uh, Die Hard, whenever they dropped um, Alan Rickman, you know, they you want to be warned just so you can prep your legs and everything. But mm-hmm. he, they didn't warn him. They just dropped him. They were going to say, all right, on three. And they went, one, drop. And so, and then, I mean, yes, luckily he wasn't injured or anything, but that is the take they use because it's real fear of being dropped and everything. Man, I heard that when they filmed The Shining, the movie, they didn't tell uh, <laughs> Shelley Duvall that he was going to have the axe and do the whole Here's Johnny thing. So, like, that's um, literally her being terrified. Yeah. Um, I heard they like tormented her, like all that stuff. was She wasn't told what was going to happen and she was on edge and she was never okay after that. Uh, makes me really sad. Makes me uh, think of Alfred Hitchcock whenever he did the birds and whatnot. Like that really fucked her up. And uh, Psycho, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom couldn't take a shower with the shower curtain closed ever since that scene in the shower. Oh. Yeah. I. I wouldn't be able to either. Uh, nope, nope, nope. I still think that sometimes when I'm showering, <laughs> I'm just like, what am I going to do if somebody tries to kill me in a shower? There's nothing. There's there's other things I've heard where, like, they actually use the takes of people, like, legitimately screaming for their lives. But they're like, oh, that was good. It was genuine. Like, yeah, because they really thought they were dying. So mean. Probably another reason I'm not an actor. <laughs> Besides that, I can't act. Anyway, the Will Sampson, who played the Native American shaman, Taylor, in the second Poltergeist film, did die after the film's release. His death was probably unrelated to the curse because he had a degenerative condition called scleroderma, which caused him to lose weight rapidly and become now nourished. His poor health caused a heart and lung transplant to be riskier than usual, and then he died after surgery. But... He actually played a crucial role in the popularization of the movie. He reportedly performed an exorcism on set to clear all the bad energy because he felt it was there because the actual human remains. And then after the exorcism, most of the cast said they felt better. (laughs) And then Joe Beth Williams, who played the mother, 
acted in the infamous scene where the real human skeletons are in the water and she's like drowning and shit. She says that she felt weird the entire time filming and she felt like it followed her home. <sighs> she recalls an odd nervous feeling on set. And then when she'd get home, all her pictures would be like tilted on the walls and then she'd fix them, go to work, come back and they'd all be turned again. And she'd hear banging and like footsteps and stuff until the exorcism. And then they went away. James Kahn wrote the novelization of Poltergeist, so he wasn't involved with the film's production. But that doesn't mean he was exempt from all the strange shit. In fact, he reported seeing a lightning streak the sky right before it hit his building. And the worst part is probably my fucking nightmares. All the lights went out, and then they pop back on, and all the video games in the house turned on and started playing, like, circus music and shit. My brain immediately goes to that choking clown. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pass. Do not. And then the final thing is the Poltergeist curse didn't end with the original three films. They rebooted it in 2015. And apparently the director was like, I'm looking for the curse, blah, blah, blah. And then the film was flagged with strange equipment failures. And the director also reported that, oh, the house he stayed in while filming had a haunted female figure in a black dress. And then he said, luckily, he didn't follow him home when they stopped filming. But I think like a haunted house and a couple of faulty cameras is not as bad as like dying. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> I mean, the first three movies had it rough with all the death. The skeletons. Like you do. Like you do. Yeah. And that wasn't even like, there's a lot of curses on movies. That was just like a handful. I did yes. not realize so many sets have a lot of shit going down mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's probably the movie that made me not like clowns I mean I already hated dolls but that just cemented my beard. oh yeah that, that too that too Oof, it's so good <laughs> in Supernatural they uh, Sam doesn't like clowns and I love the few times they talk about it and everything and at one point it's like a legit fear like there really was killer clowns I'm like yes <laughs> it's a really good episode doesn't um, help with all those people dressing up like clowns with like knives yeah. just hanging out I know she's getting worse as time yeah. goes on it's just worse <laughs> what do you got historical I have historical and I have of course another crazy list like I do this article is called about 10 mysterious ancient curses I'm not going to read all 10 just for time's sake, but I recommend it if you wish. We'll, of course, add the links to our website and whatnot. And here we go. We're going to start with the Curse of King Casimir. Ooh. Days after archaeologists opened the tomb of King Casimir IV in 1973, four of the 12 researchers were dead. Oh, wow. Over the next few years, more succumbed to cancer and other fatal diseases. By the end of the ordeal, no less than 15 people who had worked with Polish rulers' remains were dead. Born in 1427, Casimir defeated the Teutonic Order and regained Pomerania and established his family as one of Europe's like dynasties, basically. And when Casimir died in 1492, his corpse decomposed rapidly due to bad weather 
and embalmers hastily sealed his coffin with resin, unwittingly creating a pathogen bomb, which the curse, and was actually asparagus. <laughs> or not asparagus. But- <laughs> This is what it looks like. It looks like asparagus. Damn you, dyslexia. <laughs> I'm not pronouncing it. That's a crazy-ass word. And deadly fungus, basically. It created a deadly fungus that can be found in ancient corpses and tombs. And the fungus attacked everything in its vicinity. When the rotten wood coffin was opened, the same fungus was like responsible for King Tut Common's curse, actually. Mm-hmm. Which we talked about in the last episode. And, and that killed several of the Egyptologists. So, Casimir's curse. Man. Crazy. Goddamn germs. Goddamn God asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate dyslexia. It is not my fault. No, I love it. <laughs> uh. All right. Next up is the curse of St. Anne's Will. Oh. In 2016, archaeologists uncovered an ancient and allegedly cursed well near Liverpool. The cult of St. Anne, of course it's a cult, uh, was widespread in medieval England and the mother of the Virgin Mary. Anne is often associated with healing wells. Anne supposedly bathed in the well, which was known for treating skin and eye diseases. That was so really specific. It was very... Like, oh, it's rated for healing, but only, like, acne and if you have <laughs> cataracts. For centuries, a nearby priory of 12 monks tended the well, and in 16th century, dispute raged over access to the well. And Father Dewaney and his landowning neighbor, Hugh Darcy, ooh, I wonder if that's Austin, <laughs> both claimed ownership. Darcy predicted that uh, Delaney would not have access for much longer. And two days later, King Henry the Eighth's men seized the well. Oh. And Delaney cursed Darcy. And according to legend, fell over dead right after. Within three months, Darcy's son died of a mysterious illness and Darcy suffered massive financial losses. A year and a day later, Darcy was found at the bottom of the well with his head crushed in. Oh, no. You're not going to recover from that. No, bro. You're dead. (laughs) He dead. (laughs) Next is the Wrath of the Fairies. Yes, that sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Irish legends warn that a curse will befall a... U.S. pharmaceutical company if it builds a factory over Ferry Fort in Waterford. Let me guess. U.S. pharmacy company did it anyway. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, dated to 8800, the Ferry Fort is an Iron Age ring fort. Which I think is fucking cool. These circular settlements were farmsteads and their earthen and stone banks served as protection from animals and intruders. Centuries later, the Irish attributed the forts to magical inhabitants like fairies and leprechauns. Um, West Pharmaceutical Services is ignoring the curse and building a facility over the ring fort. Workers needed to be brought in from distant regions as locals have simply refused to help. 
West Pharmaceutical is aware of the archaeological value of the location and is working with the National Monuments Office to excavate the site prior to construction. However, some believe that this is not enough. According to those knowledgeable of Irish war, this is not a question of if, but when the factory will shutter. Nothing's happened yet, but it's a coming. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't want the wrath of a fairy uh-uh. It does not seem like a good time Next up Okay, I have a question of how to pronounce this word okay. S-T-E-L-E Wait, what? S-T-E-L-E Stele? Is it stele? Is it uh, like a column? Mm-hmm. Yeah, stele Okay, that was my guess But I didn't want to make it like a complete fuel pool of myself <laughs> Uh, like, this is a word I should know, but I don't. I only know it because Code of Hammurabi is one of those. Okay. This is the broken Assyrian stele. And Ooh. in 1897, during excavations of the ancient city of Jerkatamu, archaeologists discovered a, uh, a stele containing an Assyrian curse. Dated to 800 BC, the artifact is now in two pieces. The British Museum houses the top while the bottom was put up for auction. I think that's weird. Oh, rated. don't do that. That's why it's because there's no plans to reunite them. Yeah, no, don't do that. The complete object would have stood over six feet tall and it depicts King Adad Nirai third, surrounded by sacred symbols. The description asks the god Salmanu to watch over Adad Nari, Nari and his priesthood and the Assyrian people while scattering and destroying his foes and adversaries. The message and encourages future rulers to watch over and protect the king's temple and threatens anyone who would dare remove the object from its rightful home. Assyrians were masters of propaganda and stalas were of this nature were once common and uh, they were used to intimidate foreign emissaries, represent royal authority and ward off rivals. Wow. It looks kind of cool too. That's probably one of my favorite ones. And just being so old to have something that old, it's just crazy to me mm-hmm. and just amazing. I really like their like uh, sculptures and stuff. They're really cool. It is. It's just really neat. So that's what I'm going to read from this article today, but I recommend giving it a look over from our site because they're just more awesome, fun stuff that you should see. Yeah. Be able to pronounce. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, those are all very difficult things to pronounce. (laughs) Syrian, right? Do what? It was a Syrian, right? A Syrian? Like, who even knows how to say those things? Not me. I'm just rolling with it. That is just my best guess of how to say his name. <laughs> if you would like to record yourself saying any of these things and post it on our Facebook page, I would actually really love that. Please do. Um, <laughs> Please do. I think, I'm afraid even if I did know how to pronounce everything perfectly, it still would come off horribly wrong just because of the accent. I know sometimes in my head, I'm like saying things I know is right, but when it comes out, it's not what's in my head. Yeah. Like the voice uh, just doesn't match. 
Adad Nirhari. Like that's just my best assuming, my best guess of that's pronounced wrong. Man, the Assyrians have this really cool thing. I forgot what it's called, so can't tell you what the name of it is. But they have this giant sculpture thing, and it's a head of a man, and then the body's a lion, and then it's enormous. So it'd be like the size of a wall, like taller or whatever. But the lion has five legs, and it's to give it the uh, illusion of walking. I always thought that oh, was really cool. cool. Gives it like in your brain, you see it moving. You don't notice the five legs. It just looks like it's walking. I liked it. Man, so the last one, I there are no funny curses. I'm just going to throw that out there. They're not funny. They're all very weird and morbid and death. So I took a very, I took a liberty in the subject and went for curse words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so funny curse words. In 1785, there is a dictionary of vulgar phrases, and that just brought me so much joy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a collection of curse words from the past. Quote, a classical dictionary of vulgar tongue is, fortunately, exactly what it sounds like. Created (laughs) in 1785 by Francis Gross, this book is a collection of more wild vulgarities than you could ever come up with. Gross created his repository after being inspired by Samuel Johnson's Great Dictionary of the English Language, published in 1755. Johnson left out all the heaping pile of slang words and phrases that he didn't consider worthy. So Gross was like, I got this. Let's do it. So he was also a lexographer. Lexographer? I don't know. His achievement was equally (laughs) extraordinary. (laughs) The British language expert Susie Dent tells the BBC's culture that these two men even shared the same ambition to record faithfully the English of their day, yet their focus couldn't have been more different. In other words, this guy is the hero we didn't know we needed. He saved all the dirty words from the past. And... Uh, slang words and vulgar terms may not belong in the proper dictionary, but they're just as much a part of the everyday speech as any word you'd find in the dictionary. And that's why Gross's contributions, while may seem weird, are very valuable. So shout out to him and his assistant, Tim Cockling. (laughs) According to the British Library, quote, Gross was one of the first lexicographers to collect slang words from all corners of society, not just from a professional underworld of pickpockets and bandits, end quote. He was one of the first writers to really explore popular culture at that time. Dent tells BBC Culture that he was the first real underground dictionary. So first urban dictionary, 1700s. And then he compiled evidence from the streets rather than the pages of literary works. There are a lot of phrases in this delightfully crude collection of old be- <laughs> or old beyond recognition there are familiar phrases there, too. As the BBC reports, Groves was the first to record phrases like fly by night or birds of a feather, cat call, kick the butt, <laughs> chatterbox, gibberish, and many others that we use today. So if it wasn't for him, everything would be lost and we'd have a whole lot less slang. So then they actually have this dictionary online and you can read it. And I pulled out some examples. You're welcome. <laughs> This is really cool. It's it's abs- it's like scanned from the original book, which is even cooler. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to say it and you tell me what you think it means because I think this will be funnier. Okay. A bum fodder. I don't want to guess. 
toilet paper. No, I'd be close then. Okay. Okay. Then <laughs> it is very important right now. It's Apparently. basically gold. Yeah. It's basically it's our currency soon. Bum fodder is going to be the new currency. Yes. To cascade. To cascade? What are you saying? Mm-hmm. Like to erupt? Kind of to vomit. Okay. Yeah. Very close. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys guessed too. <laughs> uh-huh. Mutton headed. Dumb? Yeah. Okay. Uh, double jug. <laughs> Big boobies. <laughs> close. <laughs> A man's butt. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love that it's specifically a man. It's what? What is it again? Double jug. Double jug. Oh yeah, I'm definitely using that. Don't definitely using that. Oh, me too. Mm. A fart catcher. You're gonna tell me this one. I don't want to guess. That is so <laughs> gross. This one blew my mind. It's just a footman or a valet. Bless their hearts if that's their job title. I know, right? Okay, <laughs> Admiral of the Narrow Seas. This one, I there's no way to know this. It's one who from drunkenness vomits into the lap of a person sitting opposite of them. Oh my god, that's so, <laughs> so specific. I just, I mean, again, I don't think there's any way you would know this. Cake. It's easy. Uh, a foolish man. Ah. Just screw, that one's an easy one. to copulate uh super super oh kettle drums i I don't know i mean it sounds so familiar like i've read it in a book or something but i can't think of it boobs (laughs) i mean it sounds these are different from maybe you told me that when we did our our, maybe like that was one of your maybe Words for woman parts. Uh, well, this one's easy. Eternity box. Eternity box? Uh, I, I don't know. A coffin. <laughs> a coffin? Oh, well, that makes sense. Uh, okay. Pissing pins and needles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when everything falls asleep or something? Oh, uh, actually, gonorrhea. I'm glad I guessed that wrong. I'm actually happy I guessed that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to know that. Oh, 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 hoggish. Are you hungover? Or uh, rude and filthy. So possibly, yeah. Mm. Uh, owl in the ivory bush. <laughs> <laughs> I don't someone wearing a frizzy wig like that would not have been my guess no never in a thousand years oh an apple dumpling shop <laughs> the, the ass thing oh it's boobs Very close. or boobs damn uh, like one direction or the other i giggled so much like going through this book oh man okay arse musica musical farts <laughs> Close, it's a bum fiddle. My next one is bum fiddle. <laughs> no. And the next one's bum fiddle. 
That's what it sounds like. It's a butt. What's better, double jug or butt fiddle? <laughs> I think I like. I think I like the jug one just because people have to like think about it. It's true. It's true. And just so sure. <laughs> the next one is bacon fed. Like her porker, or I don't know. Yeah, fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super insult. You bacon fed, whatever. And then we just shortened it to porker. Like this, this <laughs> where my brain went. This one I didn't know it meant bollocks. I know that British people say it, but I didn't know what it meant. I don't know. I might, but I don't. I, just, I think it balls. But I'm... yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just always assume testicles. Gross. <laughs> the next one, bobbles. I think of like little trinkets and stuff. Also balls. Yeah. There were a lot of testicles in this book. <laughs> like I was expecting a lot of boobs, but there were way more testicle words. This one I'll just read because I was like, what? So I just copied the whole thing. Bitch, a dog or dogs. The most offensive, appalling thing you can say to an English woman, even more provoking than that of a whore. Quote, I may be a whore, but I can't be a bitch. So in this time, it's worse to be a bitch than a whore. But now I think it's interesting because now we're just like, hey, bitch, like it's not even offensive. Yeah, I know. Like think about Lizzo, like I'm 100% that bitch. That bitch. Yeah. So I thought that was just interesting. I guess that's just a way of like owning it. Yeah. This one, there's no way to. A bunter is half whore, half beggar. Like these are very specific. (laughs) A shame file is like whore, but they're not a pickpocket. These are very specific. It is. Mm. I just want to be like, is there like a tree? Like a. Somebody actually made a tree. I did see something like that. It was like the ordinance of each word and how they combine. The next one, it's buttock, which you would think would be butt, but it also means whore. Why? Like that's just so weird. A carbuncle face. <laughs> Butter face. <laughs> yeah, it's like red with acne. It was very oh. specific. Ooh, a cock pimp. A rooster pimp? I don't <laughs> The husband of a brothel's madame. Huh. A ditty. A I know, right? You would think that, but boobs. <sighs> a dumb glutton. I just think it made me think of a fat person again. It's lady bits. That's weird. I know. This one I thought was interesting. A lady and a lord are just crooked or humpbacked people. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, are they just making fun of like the nobility? I just, I don't know. To lib is to lie together and or to bang. Oh, nutmegs is another balls. I'm just, I am shocked at how many testicles there were in this dictionary as opposed to boobs. I thought there'd be more boobs. But little did I know, I was proved wrong. A luby is an awkward, ignorant fellow. A lab cock is a relaxed penis. <laughs> when I first read that, I thought it was Lubbock. And I'm like, oh, man, there's a Lubbock. 
Texas. And then I was like, oh, not the same thing. Not the same thing, Gina. To occupy. To <laughs> occupy? Mm-hmm. That doesn't even sound like a curse. That just like sounds like someone's busy. It's it's basically to bang. Another another F word. And then a cockbod. <laughs> what weirdly specific thing is this one? It is a pimp. <laughs> it sounds like a, like a pimp for males, though, not women. I know, right? Uh, well, there was a whole lot more, and all of that will be on the website. I mean, it's an entire dictionary. I was just pulling things that made me giggle. And then I found some Shakespearean burns that people are say are as good as curse words. So, ahem. villain, I have done my mother. <laughs> it's your first your mom joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh that then like the I love your face. Oh, that made it that made it so much better. I do desire that we be better strangers. I would like to use that one. I, it's a good one. You have such a February face, so full of frost, of storm and cloudiness. These burns are very wordy. They are it's Shakespeare. Jesus Christ, that man. <laughs> Couldn't be concise of his life to per- to perned on it. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is happening? I like oh. it. I'm using that. Keeping it. <laughs> Would thou weren't clean enough to spit upon. Okay. I dig that one too. The rankest compound of villainous smell that ever offended my nostril. Again, very wordy. <laughs> Thou sodden witted lord, thou hast no more brain than I have in mine elbows. That one's so long. Like <laughs> people are like, "What are you saying?" Yeah, they've already checked out by the time you get into the end. Uh, it should be like, "What?" <sighs> I am sick when I do look upon thee. Okay, I get this. More of your conversation would infect my brain. I'm okay with that one too. Like when oh. they're less than ten words, it's okay. This one's short. Away, you three-inch fool. <laughs> What's that? Like little dick? Like what? I guess I don't know. What's the three inches? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Thine face is not worth sunburning. No. Ah, and then my favorite. Thou damned and luxurious mountain goat. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite would be a goat one. That's awesome. It is. And then finally, 21 amazing forgotten curse words that we need to bring back. A cacafuego. It means a braggart. Oh, there's Crystal. Hi. 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 What up? Uh, Just so you guys know, Crystal is going to be doing our mini, but she's going to jump in for this last uh, curse words we should bring back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The next one is thunderation. It's a variant, variant, variant of what incarnation? A fop doodle is a dumbass. <laughs> I like that one. Fop doodle. I'm de- I'm definitely calling Emery that. And I'm going to see what his expression is. <laughs> like a damn fop doodle. I know he's going to be really flabbergasted by it. God, and the more southern you get with it, the better it sounds, too. I know. That's, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. A fustilarian is a time waster. And that's another invention of Shakespeare. 
Say it one more time. Flustelarian. Flustelarian. Oh, God. This one is kind of hard to say. A scobber lodger. Scobber lodger? Somebody who doesn't work hard. (laughs) (laughs) Someone worked hard on that word. Good Lord. Oh, Jeff just wrote, slap his double jugs and call him a flop doodle. And that's the best. Doing it. That needs to be a sticker. (laughs) I was planning on calling double jugs. Double jugs. A smell fungus. It refers to a man he met. Oh, oh wait. The word invented by Tristan Shandy, writer Lawrence Stern, was made to refer to a man he met who complained about all the wonderful places he had traveled to. The word later went on to mean a a sort of a buzzkill. What's the word again? Smelling? Smell fungus. Smell fungus. I don't know. So particularly sophisticated. <laughs> a whiny traveler. <laughs> okay. Oh, mumble crust. A mosquito bugger. <laughs> what? Is it a person that bugs cool. mosquitoes? <laughs> yeah, I guess it says it's medieval. It's exactly what it sounds like. So I guess somebody that swarms around you and won't leave you alone sucks the life out of you. That's what I'm assuming. Hmm. Oh, that that definitely needs to be brought back. <laughs> A rake fire? <laughs> a what? Rake fire? Someone who overstays their welcome. Ah, okay. You rake fire! <laughs> yes, as we said just Be gone! <laughs> <laughs> Bajabbers. It's an <laughs> Irish word substitute for by Jesus. Bajabbers. <laughs> oh, he's like, God damn <laughs> Oh, and the next, next one is muck spout. Somebody who swears too much. So that would be me. That's us. That's all of us. We <laughs> are in all muck of us. spout. I'm going to make that a sticker too. Muck spout. Mm-hmm. And then only we will know what it means. Because mm-hmm. we are awesome. An elite. Elite group of nerds. Muck spouting no. nerds. Mm-hmm. We drink and we know things. And we muck spout. <laughs> Yeah, to my sounds like a Harry Potter house. It does. <laughs> yeah, I like that it can be used as a verb. Also, I love any no. word that has multiple. That's why I love fuck so much. It can be a noun and a verb and an adjective. Just so many different ways. I know. So many different ways. So thank you guys for joining us for curses part two. And hopefully you're not cursed. Hopefully <laughs> we're not. But um, <laughs> yeah. Like our Google's curse with all of our crazy word <laughs> searches. I know. At this point, if anything happens to me, my search history is just fucked. <laughs> just uh, my best friend from college. We always had a thing like if one of us goes first, we'll delete the search history. I'm like, at this point, it doesn't even matter. Everyone knows we're now putting it out there. <laughs> I know, it's like we've been on the internet forever, so there's no way of hiding any of this. So embrace it. So yeah, thanks guys for listening and please join Patreon. We have lots of cool things on there, lots of extra content. You can watch us and fact check us, <laughs> which is mostly what we we like. The fact checking and the comments. I really do enjoy it. It's helpful. And then we realize you guys are funnier than us, and that's really <laughs> That's pretty much today. They've come up some really good one-liners. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Goddamn. But yes, that's patreon.com slash historical AF. And then we have listener stories and 
all our social media, everything's historical AF pod. So find us, share us, love us. Do it. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.